Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast for February 5, 2020. Of course, people will listen to this a long time, but this is my analysis of the magnificent State of the Union. Last night, Donald Trump hit it out of the park. I, if you didn't watch it, you really need to go on and read it. It was an hour and 20-minute speech. He touched all the high points. And uh, I stayed up and watched a lot of the commentators, uh, mainly Ben Shapiro and the group he had. He gave it an A+, and I would certainly agree with that. It was interesting that he talked about how great America was and how all the things that his administration has accomplished. I sat there and took 10 pages of notes uh, and uh, it helped me to kind of, you know, focus on what he was saying. And then I have uh, printed out a copy of the speech. Um, and I think we're going to put this online uh, so people can listen to it. Or of course, you can Google it and find it out for yourself. I thought it was significant that he talked about all of these accomplishments. Yet Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, ripped it up very publicly right at the end. She said she couldn't find truth on any page, which is absolutely stunning because, you know, they have no proof that anything wasn't true. Um, You know, he says things like years of economic decay are over. Our economy is best that it's ever been. Uh, He talks about African-American poverty has declined to the lowest level ever all the different groups that he mentioned, lowest unemployment ever, which would include uh, teenagers, women. I mean, it's just incredible that every group is. And the Democrats will say there's no truth, but then they don't offer a shred of evidence to refute this. You know, they don't show, for example, that unemployment is higher than it's been or that the statistics are wrong. You know, he says that there have been 7 million new jobs created and uh, I could go into a lot of details. Then he talks about some of his initiatives, such as the Opportunity Zones, uh, uh, improving things in terms of criminal justice. Those aren't true. I mean, you know, and then um, USMCA, which just passed, will create 100,000 new high-paying jobs. It's just ridiculous to me that the other side says it's partisan. Well, it's only partisan in the sense that Donald Trump and the Republicans are supporting these things and the uh, Democrats are opposing them at every single turn or their policies are diametrically opposed. He didn't uh, really criticize the Democrats that much. In fact, a couple of times he complimented everyone in the chamber for passing a couple of the trade agreements. Uh, The Republicans, of course, were just enthusiastic. Uh, They were applauding many, many times. I was trying to keep track and finally just lost track. There were so many, and, and uh, I saw on the news that there were 129 times that it was interrupted by applause. Many of them were standing ovations, and some of the uh, times even the Democrats stood up, I, I noticed. But, you know, in a way that doesn't matter because the president is winning. He's uh, getting his, accompl- his agenda accomplished building the military, securing the border, um, taking out bad guys in the Middle East, uh, standing with Israel, proposing a peace plan. 
I mean, things that you probably have known. The thing that concerns me, though, is that a lot of times uh, Christians just seem sort of oblivious to all this stuff. Uh, at least our segment of the Christian church, which would be, first of all, we would be called evangelicals, and more specifically, charismatics and Pentecostals. Uh, many are just very, very passive when it comes to uh, politics, uh, thinking that it's, you know, too secular, too carnal, too unspiritual. I heard the expression growing up that some people are so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. And, of course, I believe in being heavenly-minded. We, we need to have our focus on God every single day, and it needs to control everything we do. And in this case, I think that it needs to control uh, how we look at politics. And uh, why is that? Well, the government uh, will either make it tough or easy to be uh, Christians. Um, Robert Jeffress, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, uh, said that he wasn't looking for the perfect Christian, and Donald Trump is often uh, criticized as being divisive or rude or, you know, they just say anything they want to. Actually, last night I thought that he was absolutely presidential, and I thought he showed great restraint in not even mentioning the impeachment, not even mentioning uh, the Ukraine or the Mueller report. And actually, it's not about is our president a strong Christian or not. If that's the case, we need to put every single um, politician under the uh, microscope to scrutinize that. It's just that Donald Trump has become our champion, and nobody really expected that. I talk about these things in God Trump in the 2020 election, but back to Robert Jeffress. He said he wasn't voting for the perfect Christian, and of course, I've talked about that a lot <laughs> various podcasts and articles that I've done. Uh, he was looking for somebody that would support his right to be a Christian. And Donald Trump uh, mentioned those things too. I specifically made note of it. Uh, he was very strong on talking about the need for prayer in schools. He passed an executive order encouraging that. Um, he supported religious liberty around the world. Uh, you know, even standing up for persecuted Christians, or as I've talked about before, uh, getting Andrew Brunson, a, a, actually he's a charismatic Christian, a lot of people don't know that, but he was in a Turkish jail with a trumped-up charge of something against the government. And as I've said many times, uh, most administrations would have let the poor man just rot in jail. Donald Trump got him out by making an international incident. And, you know, as we were talking uh, I was talking to my wife as we were both sitting there watching the State of the Union. I said, this man is a real leader. That is one of the biggest things because, you know, many of his policies have been supported by other Republicans and a few of them even by Democrats. But, you know, they talk and nothing ever gets done. This president accomplishes things in the most extraordinarily difficult circumstances imaginable. Here he is, impeached by the House of Representatives, he has not been yet acquitted. We expect that to happen tomorrow. And in fact, I'm going to do a podcast on it tomorrow. I don't often focus on current events because I, I try to make my podcast a little more generic. Uh, and actually, every single month, every one of my podcasts are downloaded by someone. So I know that months from now, people will be listening to this podcast, this analysis that I'm doing just a matter of hours 
after the State of the Union. But this president is a leader, and thank God we have a leader, and thank God we have a man as imperfect as he is, uh, and aren't we all imperfect? In fact, in my book, God Trump the 2020 Election, I, I talk about how God uses flawed leaders, and I make the case for how we've got to reelect this president. You know, when I wrote the book, and I finished around Labor Day, there were a lot of things we didn't know. For example, the impeachment thing hadn't started yet, although I did add an epilogue right as we went to press. And of course, we don't know who the Democratic nominee is, and after the debacle in Iowa, where they can't even count the votes, uh, they still don't know who won the Iowa caucus, and, and there's no clear front runner. There's nobody that is generating the kind of enthusiasm that Donald Trump is. And so there are a lot of things we don't know. But we do know that for a variety of historic reasons, which actually I go into in the book as well, the Democrats have moved further and further to the left. And the left is more is basically anti-God, anti-religion. Uh, Donald Trump supports religious freedom for all Americans. Of course, we have that freedom under our Constitution. And we Christians want religious freedom for other people. Now, you know, we may differ with them on the way to get to heaven or how we should worship, but uh, no Christians except, you know, an extremely few uh, extremists would ever, you know, deny religious liberty to, to other uh, people in America. But religious freedom is important, and he talked about it in the State of the Union. The, the point I'm trying to make is this. I think that he's got to be reelected because the left is so anti-God and so against the principles that have made America great that they will be vicious. And, you know, we already have things where Hobby Lobby was, uh, was going to have a fine of over a million dollars a day if they didn't give contraceptives in their insurance plan. You know, it's well known that the uh, bakers and florists that would not, you know, do creative things for gay weddings uh, were actually criminalized. Uh, they were given huge fines. Now, some of those things have been overturned by the courts. And it wasn't that they wouldn't serve gay customers. They just would not use their creativity to design a cake or other things. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Those things, these people will come after us with inventions, and we need to be spiritually discerning. And the Bible tells us to be as uh, wise as servants and harmless as doves. But we need to be discerning to know that these people are going to come after us, and Donald Trump is our champion, and he at least is giving us a window of opportunity to try to improve things in this country. I personally believe that the real answer is to have a sweeping revival where the hearts of people are changed by God, not changed by the government. We cannot impose morality in the government. We all know that. But Christians have been passive. I think a lot of the problems in our country are the result of the church. In my book, I have a whole chapter on compromising the church. And I think Christians have been silent too long. When I wrote the book, I was concerned, and I still am concerned, that people will become complacent, think that Donald Trump is going to win by a huge amount, and that we would stay home from the polls. And if they can pe peel away votes of Bible-believing Christians, who we call evangelicals, 
if they can peel away the votes uh, in a lot of the swing states, it could make the difference. As things have developed, and especially after watching that State of the Union and seeing what's happening with the Democratic Party actually imploding, I'm much less concerned that he would lose. What I am concerned about is that Christians are just passive. I read something with Dr. James Dobson, who was talking about the Super Bowl and the very, very racy uh, halftime show, which I did not see, but uh, there were a lot of reports about it, and he said that Christians were just giving it the Super Bowl shrug, that parents, you know, he was telling parents that they shouldn't let their children watch it and people should object to it. And when he said, talking about the shrug, I thought that really applies to a lot of Christians and how they look at politics. They just kind of give a shrug. Well, there's nothing we can do. The culture has been more and more liberal, more and more progressive, as the other guy says, as the other side says. For a hundred years, Woodrow Wilson was the first president that was called a progressive. And the idea is that things were going to progress and get better and better based on human ingenuity and, you know, human work. And uh, the Christians went right along with it. In fact, along the time of uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, the Christians were calling the 20th century the Christian century. There was actually a magazine, I think it's still around, I don't see it, called the Christian century. Of course, that has not happened. But Christians back then were passive. You know, I've been doing a lot of media for my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, and people have asked me this question. I think it goes back to that era. I think one of the defining moments was in the 20s with what we call the Scopes Monkey Trial, and Christians kind of gave up and got out of the public square and really didn't come back into the public square until maybe after World War II or certainly in the 1960s when prayer was taken out of school and then in the 70s when Abortion became the law of the land because of Roe v. Wade. But, you know, there's always been a struggle against good and evil. There's always been a struggle between the church becoming uh, passive. I mean, that's why the Reformation happened in the 1500s. The Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening, if you read uh, Jonathan Edwards, he talks about how immoral and unspiritual the clergy were of the day. I mean, it's hard for us to even get our minds around that because we kind of think of that as a, you know, uh, you know, everyone went to church and, and Christian values seem to be the norm in the culture. And of course, this is before the United States was even formed. Uh, when Darwin came out with his theory of evolution in around the 1840s, uh, and it was adopted by the culture where people didn't believe that God created men and women, that we somehow evolved from, you know, slime, I guess, which became fish, which became animals somehow. To me, evolution is just absolutely illogical. But, you know, it's accepted as scientific fact. Uh, in fact, Christianity Today, which has become very, very liberal, had an article I saw this week uh, saying that they didn't consider that evolution and the story of Adam and Eve were in conflict with each other. And there are a lot of Christians who feel that. But I'm just saying that what's been going on has been going on for a long, long time. And Christians have been very passive. I am more familiar, of course, with the Pentecostal uh, part of the church because it's how I grew up. And 
Charisma Magazine was founded and exists to report on what's happening in the charismatic community. Uh, Charismatics are part of the evangelical community, but I have seen firsthand, up close and personal for 40 years, that the non-Pentecostal evangelicals absolutely marginalize uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics, uh, a lot in the way that... um, that the left marginalizes anyone who has traditional Judeo-Christian values. I mean, there's something in the culture, and I think that it's time to wake up, it's time to take a stand, and I think that that is starting to happen. There are a lot of things that worked up to the election of Donald Trump, and as I've said many times, you know, I voted for Donald Trump because he wasn't Hillary Clinton, but I have been very, very pleased about what's happening. Now, let me comment on a couple of things that happened in the State of the Union. It was just masterful in the sense that at very key points in his narrative, he had people stand who had been the beneficiaries of these opportunity zones, which are mainly in the inner city, you know, different people that had gotten jobs and so forth. Uh, Another time, he recognized a 100-year-old veteran that were part of the Tuskegee Airmen, which was a segregated uh, unit in World War II uh, that that fought brilliantly, and here this man is one of the f- few surviving veterans of World War II, and um, and he it, to me that was kind of almost the high point of the whole State of the Union. He also uh, brought back a serviceman from Afghanistan to his family who hadn't seen him in a while. That was a very very touching moment, but to me. Uh, in a different way, um, a highlight was the way that he honored Rush Limbaugh. And we only found out two days ago that Rush is battling cancer. And those of you who follow my podcast know that I am a cancer survivor. Mine was uh, found out in stage one. It was prostate cancer, which is the easiest kind to cure. Um, But it was a very serious thing to go through for me, and I have come through healthy, thank God. I've now passed six years Rush, on the other hand, has stage four cancer, it's lung cancer, which is much, much more serious. And I think that Christians need to pray. In fact, my wife and I prayed yesterday, and we were talking about it, that we've got to rally the Christian community to pray for a miracle. And Rush Limbaugh, you know, of course, only announced it on Monday of this week, but he said he talks to God a lot, and he has a Christian faith. He doesn't talk about it a lot, but he has a Christian faith. But what I was observing and listening to people comment about it afterwards is that Rush Limbaugh was a conservative uh, when there were very, 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 very few conservative commentators. Uh, He was frozen out of all the media even back, you know, 30 years ago. He uh, went to AM radio, which is not very exciting you know, with all the new technology, even FM radio has sort of supplanted um, AM. But he he perceived that it was an opening for him to articulate the conservative point of view, and in some ways he has he actually created a movement. And he also was the forerunner of people that we know well, like uh, Sean Hannity or even someone like Ben Shapiro. Uh, they were all honoring him, you know, for his role. And I realized that while I am in no way in the same class as Rush Limbaugh, that um, 
charismatics have always been marginalized, especially in the media. If, if charismatics and Pentecostals in the media were preaching the gospel, and that is super, 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 super important, and there is a, uh, a, a fervency and urgency for evangelism and winning the lost, and we have got to continue it, and I applaud it. But at the same time, we have absolutely stood on the sidelines until recently about some of these things going on in our nation. And, you know, I sometimes feel like um, I'm a lone voice out in the wilderness, um, you know, urging people to get involved. But I'm trying to wake up the Christian community, particularly the spirit-filled community, who are the ones who read charisma and the ones with whom I have influenced, the leaders who I know, We've got to wake up, and we've got to get involved. And that's why I wrote God Trump in the 2020 election, was to try to wake up the church. And a lot of people are awakened. It's interesting that the other side uses the word woke, kind of the same idea. They want people to be woke to their principles. Actually, we need to be awakened, and there's actually uh, scriptures about talking, and I'm, I'm not uh, quoting it, I'd have to look it up, but, you know, about not sleeping, not slumbering, but being awake uh, to what's going on. And uh, I've been concerned that in a handful of cases, I've come across Christian leaders, including one Christian broadcaster who just told me point blank he wasn't going to deal on his station with anything having to do with politics at all. Uh, the implication was no matter how bad it got. And... Uh, you know, I have to respect his opinion. He has freedom of the press in the same way I do. He has freedom of religion the same way I do. But, and, and thankfully, he's an isolated case. But a, a lot of other leaders think, well, I'm not used to uh, speaking up about politics. I'm not used to being in the public square. And, uh, you know, I don't really know how to debate other people. I'm, I'm going to let people like Jerry Falwell Jr., who is... Uh, strong as a lion when it comes to these things. I'm going to let them be the spokesman, or Franklin Graham. Thank God Franklin Graham has spoken up, and Robert Jeffress and others. But also uh, spirit-filled people like uh, Paula White Kane, who is a fiery Pentecostal preacher. I don't know if you've ever heard her preach, but of course you can go online and see her preach, or, or she has a, a television ministry. She is a fiery preacher, and she understands spiritual warfare, and there are a lot of other leaders who uh, understand spiritual warfare and are praying for this president and standing with this president and actually giving him ad ad advice. And I'm, I'm very, very encouraged about some of the things that are happening in that regard. Uh, I'm thinking of David Barton and Ralph Reed. These are all people I used as sources in my, uh, in my book. And, uh, you know, I hope my book wakes people up I realize it's not going to affect the whole nation, but if we can wake up the church, uh, not only will it affect this election, but the issues that are around are not going to go away. I think we may win some battles, but the war is going to continue. It's a spiritual war. Uh, this is much bigger than Donald Trump. He just happens to be the leader that we have right now. But even if he's reelected, and I believe he will be, I believe the prophets who hear from God, who are spiritually discerning, have said that he will win re-election. But even when that happens, these issues are going to continue after 2025 when he's out of office. 
And uh, we cannot be passive in any way. If anything, we need to become more sophisticated. We've got to train people. When uh, pastors train people on how to live their Christian life and how to be a light in darkness, this needs to be a part of it. Um, And in the same way that a lot of Christians have finally woken up to uh, the importance of good health. You know, the joke was when I was a kid that all the Pentecostals were real fat because they didn't smoke or drink, but boy, they could eat fried chicken and and pie and ice cream and everything else. And, um, you know, I think in more recent days, people have understood that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I think this is being uh, balanced as people. It's uh, following the principles of the Bible. Right now, I'm focused on politics. I'm focused on the State of the Union. And I hope that my perspective uh, adds to what others are saying. You know, I'm sure you can probably go on YouTube and watch the speech if you missed it. It's really worth watching. I think you'll enjoy it. And, uh, and uh, you'll enjoy President Trump being at his best, his very, very best. Uh, a lot of the commentators were contrasting this to some of his tweets. I frankly enjoy his tweets, and I enjoy how he stirs everything up. Uh, but he is brilliant. He knows when to stir things up, and he knows when to be presidential. So I could probably talk a lot more about this. I have a lot of notes that I didn't really hit on, but I just decided that I would share with you my observations. I hope that you found them interesting. I hope you leave comments on uh, Facebook. We're putting this on Facebook Live. You can always email us here at uh, Charisma Media. You can write to info at charismamedia.com. And while th- this podcast is not about my book, I have mentioned it a couple times. It's called God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. It's available really wherever books are sold. It really is. Uh, Walmart has the most copies. They don't really care about me or uh, my book, and I'm guessing they don't even really care about Donald Trump. But when Christian books sell well, they will sell other Christian books. When they don't sell well, they send the books back to the publisher, and, uh, and the next Christian book that comes along, they're, they're not willing to put on the shelves. So in a way, you're helping when you go to Walmart or Sam's or Costco or even BJ's. Barnes & Noble got a lot of copies. And of course, the Christian bookstores. A lot of Christian bookstores have kind of gone away. It's uh, uh, you know, partly just because uh, bookstores in general are, are struggling. You can always get them online. Uh, Amazon.com, of course, is probably most familiar, but also ChristianBooks.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And then we even have a we- website it's called GodTrump2020.com, uh, and you can get it there. It's a short version of the book, GodTrump2020.com, and uh, read it, buy copies for friends, share it with friends. I think you'll learn things. I cover a lot of ground. I don't have time to summarize it all now, but to just encourage you to um, support this book, and in that way, so, and the book is an argument to support our president at this very, very important time in our nation's history. But we need to pray, and maybe I'll do another podcast on the fact we need to pray. We need to do spiritual warfare. We need to bind the principalities and powers and pull down the strongholds. Secular people don't understand this. And when Paula White Cain has prayed publicly a couple times in the way that we would pray in our churches on Sunday, uh, she has gotten enormous attack talking about demonic networks and everything else. But I'll just leave it there. And uh, 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this with people. My podcasts have taken off recently in a way that even puzzles me. I don't understand. But uh, it's people like you who listen and who share it or helping it to grow. And it's just my way to get out the word that we need to support this president and thank God that we have a champion of our religious rights and religious freedom. I'm Stephen Strang. Thank you for listening today to my podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you.